This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello, welcome to episode 160 of the Broadcast Podcast. We've been talking about Unlock over the last few weeks, how the church comes out of lockdown. Uh, we're with Tim Simmons, uh, myself, Tom O'Toole. We're both based at Christchurch Manchester. And this is the final part of the conversation. Uh, and what I really wanted to do today was talk about pastors and pastoring, which for me over the last year is something I've been thinking about quite a lot. Um, we've mentioned in some of the earlier conversations noticing a tendency early in lockdown for churches to prioritize production staff uh, even sometimes furloughing the people who are most pastorally involved with the congregation uh, and keeping techie people on board and this feeds into the conversation in in a lot of ways um it's probably over prioritizing the the sunday meeting um but also just more widely uh, we, we've talked about some people struggling, missing Sundays, can't face Zoom. And, and I was thinking for those people, when, when I can think of examples of that, what's really served them well is just someone going for a walk with them, someone calling them, making sure they're okay. And, and it really has brought out the value of pastoring, which I don't think has been talked about loads over the last decade. Like when I've heard church leadership teaching, we hear a lot about um, leadership as a gift. We hear about evangelism. We hear a lot about teaching and apostolic pioneering, prophecy. We don't hear much about shepherding people and how that's the heartbeat to it. Um, and also, I wonder if um, if it gets outsourced a lot. I've noticed in different contexts that um, that church leaders delegate. The shepherding which, which sort of makes sense if you're growing beyond a certain scale you can't be involved in the lives of everybody but sometimes it can be delegated in a way that is just divorced from the leadership function and leadership becomes a lot more administrative program based and then investing and developing in other leaders without the the shepherding strand running through it as much as perhaps it needs to be um, so I, I just want to open it up and see what you think Tim about that set of reflections the the whole topic I, I wonder if any of it resonates with you yeah definitely I think it's always worth thinking about when you think of pastoring and shepherding in that people experience it and deliver it in different ways don't they so um so how does a church feel well pastored and shepherded at the beginning of lockdown like this time last year Actually, I suspect by good information, by uh, the church having a bit of a plan for what it was going to do, and then that plan being rolled out in a way that took on board people's feedback. Um, and actually, I would imagine that is a, a highly pastoral thing to be quite clear in strategy and implementation. So, so I agree with you with, with the, um, you know, you can go too far to the tech and forget the people um, but equally the tech did help the people <laughs> so having your tech staff um, if you're a church in a position that could do that uh, or even just having to upscale your tech if you're just one one pastor leading a church your, your own abilities actually that probably helped 
to bring some cohesion uh, into a church life when suddenly we won't be allowed to be in the same room as each other. So, so, so in an odd way, that is quite a pastoral thing just to be a pain in the backside um that is there i think there is a big pastoral element to that and um, but then there there are seasons in in that as well where then you would need to be once that's established doing the other things that you've talked about as well so so i guess there's a having a very um kind of a, a good view of your church and in the lives of people in your church to see actually what does what how do you need to be shepherded and pastored? I suppose would be the question you'd be asking, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think so. And there, there is a few different dimensions to it. I think one of them is is just getting access to that knowledge. Um, mm-hmm. So thinking of a church of a certain size, when you're north of a hundred people, then it's unlikely that the the main leader will will know everybody to the extent that they really know what's going on with everybody. So in some way or another, you you have a team, you have people who are more actively involved in the life. Now, some people get quite idealistic in this and look at the church as a body. Everybody's in each other's lives. Everybody's praying for each other, walking with each other. Everybody knows what's going on in each other's lives, which I think is, is true to an extent, but it's probably more true in, in clumps of the church or of people who that really is true for. Mm. and people who fall through the cracks a bit as well, who aren't as well known or who aren't quite engaged in that kind of community. Who's keeping an eye out for them? Um, Sometimes people go community group leaders as the front line of pastoring, um, which which can work. Um, It's quite hit and miss, depends on who the community group leaders are, what their gifting is and uh, how they go about leading the group. Um, We tend to do it through site leaders quite a lot. So, having sites of the scale that we do, so 30 to 60 people in a congregation, it means you do have people who are in the, in the room for the big decisions, but also in the room covering all the people, which probably quite helps us quite a lot with it. Um, but, but knowing exactly who they are and defining the role a lot about your relationship with people as much as um, ideas and big programs. Um, yeah, I came across a, a quote from Tim Keller. I just wonder what you think about it. He said, in a small church, pastoring sets up preaching. In a large church, preaching sets up pastoring. I, I don't know if that yeah. makes sense when you hear it or, or sparks any thoughts. Right, it's, I mean, you can't really disagree with Tim Keller, can you? It's not allowed. Um, my, my, when I'm listening to you talking, listen to that, I kind of want to know what you think pastoring is. Like, what, what do you think? So it's easy to say we want to pastor and shepherd people, but um, what, what does that actually mean? What is it? So I would, I don't have a precise definition come to mind, so let me waffle around it a bit and see if one yeah. comes out. When I think about pastoring people, I'm thinking about how do we care for people on a way that's responsive to the individual circumstances and needs that they've got going on in their lives. So I would, although there are things that we can do on a big scale that affect everybody that will be pastorally helpful, it's a way of sensitively being aware of and leading in a way that helps people on an individualized level 
even if it's not individual delivery. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense. And I guess what in your head, the end goal is, is what, 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 what would you, where do you want the person to get to? I suppose. Um, full maturity in Christ. So I, I don't see it as a crisis thing necessarily, yeah. although there might be crisis moments. You don't only pass to people when there's a problem. Yeah. It's, it's a discipleship thing. Um, so as we are helping our church to grow, as we're helping our people to be engaged in community, mm. who is who is in their life? Who who are they friends with? Who are they mentored by? Who's who's spiritually fathering them or mothering them? Um, who who picks up quickly when? they've got life complications and need prayer who picks up quickly when they're wrestling with questions and doubts who who quickly champions and celebrates them when they're doing well um do, do you get what i'm going at yes yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah for sure for sure uh, yeah i mean it's just interesting because you know, think of ephesians 4 which talks about shepherds and talks about those different roles within the church and they all kind of seem to complement and work uh, together and i guess you th- when you read that you think well it's to uh, equip the body isn't it to so all of them together to work to be to help people to find their place in the kingdom of god and to actively take that role isn't it so yeah so uh, when you're so when we're talking about pastoring I guess you're thinking uh, how you pastor in a pandemic. I guess we're trying to work out ways where we can help everybody to find their place in God's kingdom in that moment. And that to be a, it's quite a forward looking thing, isn't it? So yeah, it's, in, it's right. You said it's not just crisis management. And I think that that's a bit of the picture of the pastor, isn't it? Wandering from one, one house to another, dealing with whatever is going wrong in that moment, then going to the next one. Um, which I think is, a, well, it sounds exhausting more than anything else, but um, it would not be, a, I think, a correct, although sometimes I guess it could probably feel like that, but um, it wouldn't be a, a good way of viewing pastoring, uh, especially when we're talking about coming out of something into something, so out of lockdown into whatever the world holds for us next and whatever God's got for us next. Now, actually, pastoring is a... But, so when I hear some church leaders talking about it at the moment, it's very, I mean, in, yeah, because this is going to make me sound awful, but it's, it sounds over-caring. Like we, we really need to look after people right now, help them deal with all that they've been through and all of that, which is all true. And some people will have been through some terrible stuff, uh, whether it's death in the family or frontline workers who've had to really deal with some awful things, then absolutely we need to walk people through that. But uh, we have to get them to go through it as opposed to stand in it. Uh, and sometimes when you hear pastors talk, it sounds a little bit like oh, we're just going to stand still in this in this stuff. And uh, what's the plan? What's the going forward? So I, that for me feels like that's a, a huge element of if you're you're talking about how we individually kind of grow and that individualized sense, which Keller talks about from uh, big church to small church. How, how do we do that? I mean, it's a, yeah. Yes. Yeah, big question, really. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. Um, another angle on it that, that I've been reflecting on a little bit is, um, is when Jethro talks to Moses about appointing leaders. And he talks about leaders over 10, 50, 100, and 1,000. And 
I, I've been thinking a bit about what, what's the difference between the kind of leader who's good at leading 10 people versus the kind of leader who's good at leading 50 versus the kind of leader who's good at leading 100 versus the kind of leader who's good at leading 1,000. Because the, the skill set is very different on those scales. Um, and I, I wonder if this conversation, where I'm going at, is really people who are good at leading 50. I think we talk a lot about what does it mean to lead 10 people? We, we have good community group leaders training and we, we kind of talk about that a fair bit. And we talk a bit about how to, to grow to 100 and a lot of conventional leadership training will be on, on that kind of scale. Um, a thousand is a, is a different thing. That's, uh, I've heard it described as like a rancher almost more than a shepherd. You're kind of uh, in charge of the whole uh, plot of land but you've got other shepherds working with you mm. but that group of 50 like the studies have shown that a community of 50 people can really function as a true community it's still under the threshold it's 60 odd isn't it the number where where everyone can really know each other well and so you've got a community of people there of which it's less fragmented than a community of a hundred would be. People aren't aren't quite in the same pockets of friendship groups, but you've got a real group of people who are, who are actually well known to each other, and the leader can can know them all. And so, what what does it look like to within bigger churches that whatever their model is, what what does it look like to delve in on that kind of level with people? And then let that shape what you do. So I think about some of our sites, and I, I'm quite involved with the preaching stuff, as you know, but thinking of some of the preaching series that we would do at one site that might be quite different to how we approach it at another site. So uh, we've been talking about Fallowfield, where the students will be coming in September. What do we preach there? Well, immediately the conversation is going to who will the people in the room be? What will be going on in their hearts and minds? That will be very different to then the site just down the road at Lady Farm. Very different congregation, very different set of people. So it shapes the preaching differently. I think in the Keller quote, that comes through in a small church, pastoring sets of preaching. It's not just implementing a program that we could borrow from somebody else or copy in someone's ways. It's letting the people that we've got and the particular places that they're at shape through everything we do, um, which I think we, we've always done. And I think a lot of churches probably do it, but we haven't really articulated a lot about it. It's not been mm. developed in the conversation very far. No, I mean, we would probably talk about it from the a mission angle as opposed to pastoral, wouldn't we? We would say, you know, in Gorton, we want to the church to be set up to deal with a, an area which is um you know on the edge of the city relatively deprived um in as opposed to um a site in Didsbury for example which is quite affluent and so the 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 the, the way that you would um set up the church and kind of your outreach and stuff would be very different um but it's probably true in pastoring as well actually the the issues um, would be actually maybe they would be the same, but the angle of uh, of dealing with them would be very would be very different, wouldn't it? So, yeah, very good. Yeah, coming back around to um, where you were talking before on you know sitting with people in in the problems or leading them into the future and setting hope, setting direction, setting vision through pastoring. 
how do you when you've got someone who they're just kind of in crisis mode but struggle to get out of that so maybe the moment of the intensity of the the problem that needs resolving is gone but almost the perpetual like woe is me life isn't easy life's hard how how do you find it it works trying to reinstill hope and vision and momentum in people like what was some of the, the stuff that you find good for that well uh, colin Barron, who we work with a lot he always says that somebody needs to find god really so and actually probably sometimes people need an opportunity to be stretched and to do something um i i yeah i i if somebody doesn't want to take a step of faith in doing anything, then I find it really very hard to help them get through. Uh, even if it's unrelated to whatever particular spiritual funk they may be in, um, just saying, Come on, "Let's why not try this? Why not get involved in that?" And oftentimes, when they say, "Okay, yeah, yeah, I'll have a go," then actually, they're in those moments you have to pray because you need God to help you do something so for me I that's often the and so I'm I always struggle a little bit if I you know with trying to find someone who can get involved in something can someone will say what about Joe blogs can they get involved in and other people are very quick to say oh they're having a very hard time at the moment now's not the right time and it may be absolutely true they may be having an awful time and uh, now may not be the right time, but their the op their ability to decide for themselves has been taken from them, which is not very pastoral. And perhaps their opportunity to step out in faith uh, has been taken from them as well. So it's it, and even an opportunity to find out where they're really at by saying, "Look, what about what? I know life is tough for you guys at the moment. But what about doing this?" And for them to it. Maybe them just saying, oh, no, we really don't want to. Actually, then opens up a conversation, doesn't it? Um, or go on then, we'll have a quick go. Is it a, a different thing? So so for me, when people are really, really stuck, then and if they don't want to try something, um, and I think most times people do, you just have to find the right thing, I think, uh, that people want to do. Um, most times people do. So, yeah, so that that's usually my, my way of dealing with things. Uh, which may be very limited I don't know but that, that's usually how I approach it I think that's great yeah I, I remember a meeting that we had a couple of months ago where one of our sites was talking about what shall we do as we're coming out of lockdown and loads of ideas were being thrown around and one person in the room just threw cold water on everything that was suggested with them uh, we will never be out of lockdown this year. Now, we, we can't even make plans. It's, it's silly to be doing it. And I'm like, really quite um, full on wanting to project this, this sense of hopelessness into it. And yeah. uh, I, I remember what was said was like, we're going to do this stuff. And then if, if we can't do it, that's fine. We'll change plans. But um, I think sometimes when someone's in that place, and whether it's themselves who are going negative, whether it's other people who are going negative, I, I think to just say, well, we're going to do this anyway. Come with us, join us in it, and we can always adapt to circumstances. But not to let that negative thing shape what's happened. Like, if you think of the shepherding metaphor, you've got a sheep that's 
kind of limping and doesn't want to leave a field, a good shepherd isn't just going to sit next to it in that field and, and wait. The shepherd's going to lead it. And I think pastoring is a leadership function. Um, kind of, it's a much more kind of in the people, one-on-one, small group style of leadership. But I think as leaders, we need all these strings to our bows, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I read this uh, read this book called uh, A Failure of Nerve by Edwin Fro- uh, Friedman, I think, or Friedman. And um, it, he was uh, a family therapist. And uh, and then he started applying his theories to like organisations, including religious organisations, churches. And his whole theory was that uh, you need... And he didn't ever use the language of pastoring and shepherding, but this the idea of helping organisations to thrive and people in them to thrive, you needed people who would be the non-anxious presence in the place. It was really interesting. He said, look, in family therapy, if I got a family in, my my what I would be looking out for is whoever in that family was the non-anxious presence. And he defined it as someone effectively who were comfortable with who they were and kind of knew what they wanted to do and were prepared to kind of try and make it happen. And it was as simple as that. And he said, you know, in some groups it would be the mum or the dad and some families it would be the one of the kids. And you would think, okay, I'm just gonna, I'm effectively, I'm going to work on that person. And when that non-anxious presence was there and then he said they could remove anxiety from the system. Uh, really interesting language and the way he thought about it. But effectively with, with pastoring, I often think about this, like what is my my posture and my what do I just bring into the room and I'm a bit grumpy by nature uh, and so had often felt this challenge okay well sometimes Tim you just need to be quiet and then find the thing that you can when you can have positive posture about stuff and think and often prepping myself before meetings even like pastoral ones stuff like that thinking okay how how do you bring and it's positivity is the kind of the wrong word isn't it it's that how do you bring non-anxiety so we have to acknowledge this last year has been a a steaming pile of garbage (laughs) it's just been awful for lots of people for lots of reasons and even people it hasn't been awful for it's still been pretty rubbish just you know in loads and loads of different ways. So it's not a denial. It's not like we just got to smile and get on with it, uh, grin and bear it. It's it's more of a, okay, this is is what it is. Uh, how do we deal with this in a way that isn't riven with anxiety and making catastrophes in our minds um, out of things that haven't even happened yet? How do we help people to take one, put one foot in front of the other? How, how do we uh, kind of shore in who we are and what God's called us to and how do we then take the steps to do that? Um, which is, uh, I just, I always found that very helpful. And actually sometimes Vicky at work would send me a message saying, oh, today's crazy because all of this stuff's going on. And I'll just text back old non-anxious presence. And she does the same to me. Just think, okay, how do I? And sometimes I think pastoring is your own kind of posture in a situation, which is, which perhaps is when it's its most difficult. Um because it, you can be going through in your own life just crazy difficult stuff, maybe, or the world is very difficult, and having to get find that place in yourself, how am I not anxious about this? How do I push forward, and how do I help other people to do that in a way that isn't denial about what is going on in the world, is real about it, but equally, we can't stay in this place. 
so yeah, they, you, then you think, okay, then you know it's the cold water person, don't you? And <laughs> actually, that's just a, a an expression of the anxiety and the inability to process it and think, how do I move forward out of that? So it's very, yeah, it's interesting, I think. Yeah, that's very good. Um, a lot of what you were saying is about yourself being the non-anxious person. Uh, it makes me think that in our congregations as well, there are people who are the mm. non-anxious people yes. and they're not often the loudest people yeah. uh, and they're often not the people who are first in line to get invited into the meetings and the teams uh, and I wonder if a lesson from this is, is looking out for those people when we're building core teams when we're building leadership teams or, or strategic teams or whatever they may be to have an eye for who is the person in this congregation who just has this sense of a, a calming effect on everyone else and yeah. I mean a non-anxious present is a faith thing as well isn't it like where it comes from is the sense of God's got this See, like, I'm, I might not be able to control everything but I can have peace about what's going on because God's sovereign he's at work and I can trust it into his hands uh, and that's where it ultimately comes from. No absolutely I often think of uh, as a guy in one of our sites who's now one of our elders a guy called Graham um, Graham Harrop and he for me is that in so when that particular site number of years ago now was going through a very difficult time um, we we just knew that Graham was just getting around people talking to them being kind not being worried um, being positive in the right way in a con let's we can what can we do and so we made him one of the kind of senior leaders in that congregation and it had a dramatic and very quick effect by giving that guy a little bit of profile, um, a little bit of just like acknowledgement publicly, that suddenly the, the whole dynamic of that congregation uh, changed, I would say. Nearly, I mean, overnight is a bit of a leap, in it, but it was very close to that. It was, and you're absolutely right. I remember being in another meeting, I was thinking about it when you were talking, when I was leading a, a site, which I don't lead anymore, and... Uh, that it was a team meeting and everybody was being quite negative about people in the church. Oh, like people don't want to grow and discipleship and maturity and all of this sort of stuff. And it's not going very well. And then one guy it was the youngest guy there. Just he, he listened, listened, listened. And then went, I think everything's going really, really well. <laughs> and you could see everybody double took and looked at him like, what? <laughs> and, and then he listed all of that. And he clearly thought about it. He listed almost all the people, talked about what they were doing in life, where they were at, wh why it's great they're part of the church, and just went for it. And uh, I, after, I remember afterwards I said to him, thank you so much. <laughs> because it was good for me. Um, because there, there's, it doesn't help you having those sorts of meetings. It was good for me, and it helped other people just to stop and think, why am I talking like this? What is it? So it was a real, it was a, I remember it very clearly. He's not in the church anymore, but, um, and he was, he, you know, he was only like 22, 23, and the rest of us were all in the, our, kind of in our early 40s, late 30s. So he, he really was the kind of the kid in the room, but he's, he just was a real provocation to everyone. Total non-anxious presence. And uh, yeah, so I think posture is a huge part of how we pastor people, actually. And perhaps that's how, thinking of your, your Jethro example, perhaps your ability to communicate your posture, shall we say, uh, uh, or I don't know how somebody who can do that in a group of 10 to a group of a thousands 
uh, and even the 50, that uh, ability to, to other people to pick that up to affect a system or, or a, a, like a, a human system, I think is a, a really, really interesting to think about that actually. We think of, like, if you think about some of the big church leaders, even in our own town, and they might call themselves a senior pastor, and you think, how on earth can you be that? How? Um, but actually, they're, they're, maybe they're, they're amazing at putting posture in their leadership team around their staff with their community group leaders, and then that is an infectious thing, and that's how it gets through the, gets through the system. It is very interesting, actually, as you think about it. Yeah, that's, that's good. I, I think we'll leave the conversation there. Um, uh, I've really enjoyed this series of chats about this and uh, I'm sure in future we'll do similar series around other issues. But thanks so much for your time, Tim. And for everyone listening, you can find us at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org and see you next time.